Welcome to the iLeaps Early Careers podcast, where we explore scientific research related to the biosphere and the atmosphere, and share the personal experiences of our early career scientists as they navigate their way through academia. Our podcast today forms part of a series, which coincides with the iLeaps conference during March 2021, and in which we hope to introduce you to some of the Scientific Steering Committee members and also the Early Career Scientist Network Committee members, and through which we hope you learn more about the aims and motivation behind iLeaps. On today's iLeaps podcast, we are talking to Dr. Patrick Keyes, who is a researcher based at Colorado State University in the USA. Yeah, welcome, Pat, to the iLeaps podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for, for joining us. And um, I'm not very good at like the intro bit, so I might as well just jump straight in and start asking you the questions that we, That's great. we've prepared. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So could you tell me a little bit about um, what inspired you to become a scientist? You know, this is, it's a great question. And I, I love asking this question of other people, uh, some of my mentors and things like that, but it's always a little funny because I'm like, I don't think I have like a turning point. I wasn't like staring up at the clouds saying, you know, like, where do clouds come from? It was, I've just always been interested in science. I was trying to think back if there was like an inception moment, you know, like, like something where, you know, you know, like looking at a river or something like that, but no, it's just as long as I can remember my two favorite classes in school have always been art and science. Those two, um, So I was, I was either always drawing pictures as a kid or I was really like excited about whatever science class my, I would happen to be in, whether it was, you know, we were connecting batteries to potatoes or who knows what. Um, and, and so anyway, so this is, it's just always been an interest of mine. And I guess over time I realized that that could be a job, you know, that you could actually become a scientist and that could be what you do. And so uh, the longer story for me was how I kind of landed in the in the type of science that I'm doing. Uh, but I, I can say for as long as I can remember things, I've always been tr- interested in science. Cool. So like naturally inquisitive. So that's what we're I guess. Saying. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, could you, so you kind of touched there on maybe your journey so far. So could you maybe explain a little bit about your career path? And what things, you know, things you might have studied to help you get the role that you've got now. And maybe tell us a bit about what you do in your role at Colorado State University. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so I'm currently the lead scientist at the School of Global Environmental Sustainability at Colorado State University. Um, the acronym for that school is SOGIS. And so at SOGIS, there's not a ton of scientists, actually. There's really myself and maybe two or three other people that are actively doing research across a whole range of sustainability topics. So everything from land atmosphere interactions to kind of inquiries into the Anthropocene to kind of climate change impacts to agriculture, all sorts of things. And so um, uh, in my current role, I actually have a chance to work with lots of different scientists throughout the university and elsewhere. So there's a lot of like nimbleness in my current career, which is very consistent with sort of the, I don't know, I won't, I won't say a scattershot approach to science that I have, but the um, I like to look at lots of things. I like to try and understand lots of things. But uh, 
the path that got me here is sort of, I feel like it's really inappropriate to call it a path because it was definitely more like a meandering wander with some dead ends. And, and so mm -hmm. I started out as um, I, in undergrad, I was a biology major. And I think I started out, I think my, I wrote down on like the career check-in when I was an undergrad that I wanted to become like a, a patent lawyer in biotech, you know, so I was going to get a biology degree and then I was going to get a law degree and then, you know, learn about kind of the biotechnology of patenting genes and things like that. Okay. So it turns out I'm wildly unsuited for that career path. Um, but I, I still love biology and it turns out I loved ecology more than sort of like cell biology. Okay. So that was useful to know. I found that out around my senior year in college. So I left college with uh, some experiences with more kind of an ecosystems or ecological approach. And then I took a few mm -hmm. years off and lived in San Francisco and was a research assistant for somebody who did a lot of like science policy visualization. And that helped me kind of see, or almost like a zoom out of how things are connected. So I had this pretty very specific role of ecology and ecosystem science, but I didn't really have an appreciation of how that sort of fit in to like everything else in our world, especially from a policy perspective. So that helped me to sort of reorient kind of where my mindset was. And I realized that the ecosystems I was most interested in were sort of water related. So then I decided to go back to grad school and I got a master's in civil and environmental engineering uh, with a focus on water and climate change. And that was an, a nice way for me to sort of leverage my kind of ecosystem scale interests, but then start looking at it through the lens of you know, the, uh, in my case, uh, uh, precipitation, the atmospheric water cycle, and uh, climate change impacts to that. And that was um, definitely like a little bit trial by fire, trying to do things that I'd never done before and kind of failing many times in terms of uh, stopping and starting learning how to code, stopping and starting learning how to do certain kinds of statistical analysis, et cetera. So, uh, but when I left that, I had this you know, maybe broader appreciation and interest in sort of climate change and, and the water cycle. And then following that, I was able to start getting involved with uh, the, uh, the Stockholm Resilience Center at Stockholm University. And through them and with some key collaborators there, uh, Lena Gordon, uh, the current director of the Resilience Center, we started asking these questions about how human modifications of the land surface, so land use change, uh, can uh, interact with and perhaps modify the atmospheric water cycle. And so it was sort of like uh, my PhD, which I ended up doing at, uh, at Stockholm University, was sort of this, I guess, now that I'm saying it out loud, kind of a weird culmination of kind of my ecosystem interests, my climate change interests, and my kind of water cycle interests by examining how uh, kind of people are really uh, potentially modifying this atmospheric water cycle. And so that's, I guess, what current, that's what has led me to some of the work that I'm doing. And then I would say on the side of that, the other thing that kind of has led me to this position is, um, I guess, an ongoing interest and engagement with people who are doing different science from me, in some cases, like wildly different science. And that has helped me to see like new perspective on my own very niche topic, but also to try and um, expand what I actually do uh, in terms of trying to ask new and kind of interdisciplinary questions. So sort of a, it's a long meandering answer, but it's reflective of my career path, which has been long and meandering. 
no that's cool and i and i think like well for me it seems like this is the way forward in science anyway these like interdisciplinary like multi level diff- you know kind of pulling absolutely. knowledge from all different areas. absolutely um, so i was going to say so on that well maybe so given your sort of career path like what things do you think you wish you'd known maybe before you started out on it and and what sort of advice do you think you could give or pass on to maybe early career scientists that are like you know even at an earlier stage than you sort of thing in the in the process absolutely um, uh i i guess so people always say like follow your passion right so they say you know what are you interested follow your passion and that's going to ultimately be something that leads you to where you need to go and i'm not going to disagree with that i think if you especially in academic science if you don't have a passion for your topic you i don't think you're going to last um, I, I, early on, somebody told me once that, that, you know, at some point during your PhD, you're going to like really hate your topic. Like whatever you chose to do, you're going to really, you're going to wake up and you're like, oh, I have to, mm-hmm. I keep banging my head <laughs> against this topic. But ultimately it's that passion for the idea, the questions. And so you might in the moment really not be happy with that topic, but ultimately it's that curiosity and passion, which will get you through. And I still think that's very true. So you have to have the passion. But I also, I think there's a space for almost like anticipatory um, exploration. So you can think about, well, where is, where are these fields going? And the only way to really do that is to read and listen and learn from other scientists, but try and get a sense of where could these um, integrated fields be headed? And, and so as an earlier scientist, I would say as a master's student, uh, and even a little bit prior to um, going into my master's program, I tried to really immerse myself in everything from like the science articles that I could try and understand about sort of the future of some of the topics that I was interested in, but also like pop science books. So like popular science books, um, the really good ones are often really excellent distillations of current science and where we're headed. You know, sometimes they get stuff wrong, uh, but but a lot of times that's an, an, a nice way to sort of orient yourself on a big topic that you're not an expert on. Even as a scientist, it can still be useful. And so that's one advice, I, one piece of advice I would have is almost like try and identify the aspects of the science that you're interested in to, and, and think about how can you anticipate where that's gonna be headed in the next five, 10, 15 years. And you're not going to know necessarily what the answers will be, but you can maybe start to get a sense of the shape of the field and where, where you might find your interest. Because hopefully at the end of whatever academic arc you're on in terms of uh, education, you might be able to land along that trajectory of where you think things might be headed. Um, that's, that's, some, that's, I think, the anticipation side would be the piece of advice I would give. Yeah. So like, and, and I suppose you can get that from you know, you have an awareness of what's happening in the news, like yes. so current affairs, like, you know, you, you like what's happening around you, yes. can, you know, is it, now, right? Yeah. And seeing where that's headed. Yeah, totally. Well, and also, so, and, and I mean, um, and the idealist in me is a little bit saying, you know, and also where you want it to be, right? Maybe yeah. you, if especially if you're doing anything that is related to people, as soon as you start thinking about people and your science, you start having to think about like values, um, whose vision of science is going to be heard, uh, whose vision of sort of like objective reality uh, is going to be heard. 
um, is if you're if you're interested in climate change, like which aspects of climate change policy will have kind of political uh, political salience and and kind of political backing. Um, and that's all like a lot of that stuff is not science. A lot of that stuff is like people's feelings and emotions, et cetera. And it's hard to get a sense of that from the scientific literature. It's much easier to get a sense of that, like you said, from current events or from popular science books, because they do a better job of integrating kind of people's, uh, the, just the social nuance of how people perceive science. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Pat. That's yeah. cool advice. And it, it's not often like we hear from that sort of side when, no. when we've done these podcasts. No, so it's cool. It's a new, new sort of a uh, uh, new like perspective on it. That's great. So, um, so let's talk about iLeaps now. Then, yeah. so um, you are our iLeaps early career rep for North America. So, can you tell us a little bit more about when did you join and um, maybe what made you get involved in the first place with iLeaps? Yeah. So, I originally during my PhD program, um, there was a conference that took place in Nanjing, China, and I had an iLeaps conference. And I had uh, planned to attend it, and I had uh, worked with some of my collaborators to attend it. And you know, we were going to present. I think we might have even convened a session, if memory serves. But then, sort of, as we got closer, I think about a month out, it became clear that I wouldn't be able to go just for personal reasons. And so um, that was a real bummer for me because I was so excited <laughs> to go and do an I because it was it was going to be my first iLeaps meeting. I'd seen iLeaps at you know, mm -hmm. EGU and AGU, some of the big geophysics conferences, uh, but I, I hadn't gone to a dedicated iLeaps meeting. And so I was, um, I was sad that I couldn't go to the meeting, but that was actually kind of my first, uh, and then, but then my colleagues went, so they presented their work and it was well-received and there was you know, dialogue there, et cetera. So that was my first mm -hmm. uh, failed start, false start, uh, trying to get connected with iLeaps. But then out of the blue, I emailed the uh, former president of the North American Early Career Science Network. I'm not sure what the title, uh, the, the organizational title was. Uh, his name is Will Porter. And I emailed him and said, you know, um, is, is there a way for me to get uh, involved with iLeaps? And he responded pretty quickly saying, we definitely need more people to get involved. Um, and so it, just based on that, email out of the blue to somebody I didn't know, um, I was able to get connected. And I guess part of that is um, sometimes it just takes a little bit of, I don't want to say initiative, but interest. And sometimes it turns out there aren't very many people that are interested in the same thing. So here I am. I'm not sure I'm very qualified to be the North American representative, but um, I am in part just because I took a risk and just contacted somebody on a whim. So... I think you're totally qualified. No, thanks. And then, nice like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't worry about that part. But like, I um, yeah, no, it's cool how these things happen. So, so let's like kind of move on then and say, so what do you think like being part of iLeaps has brought to you and maybe your career, or you know, how has it like opened up things maybe for you, or how how's it changed things for you? I think that so far, at least. Um, the thing that's changed the most for me or been the most impactful is seeing, I think the kind of the diversity and amount of science that's being done all over the planet. And so um, I have coming from North America, coming from the United States, 
uh, I have sort of an, I guess you could say like an AGU mindset. I have a, like, that's American Geophysics Union, American Geophysical Union, sorry. And, um, and so that's, and I don't know if that's like a colonial mindset or if that's a, um, I'm not sure a neoliberal, I'm not sure what it is, but I have this mindset about like AGU is like one of the big hubs of this sort of uh, integrated uh, science, uh, interdisciplinary science, which mm-hmm. iLeaps really is interdisciplinary. And, um, but I, I, I mean, that's in, that is true for America, but it's not true globally. And so I think one thing that's been great uh, being a part of iLeaps is I feel like those, that misconception, and I do think it's a little bit of a misconception, has been lifted. And I'm able to sort of interact with, see, and experience uh, scientists from all over the world, early career scientists that are conducting uh, science in their home countries, their home regions, their home continents, that is uh, not connected at all to the AGU world. And I think that's, for me at least, that's a really good thing to see how much bigger science truly is. And so um, that's, at least to me, I think that's a, a very positive thing. And also, so now I'm, I can connect with somebody in uh, Kenya or Tanzania who is doing um, iLeaps related science uh, and, and not in a way that's like contingent through some sort of, I guess, American entity. No, this is iLeaps, so it's, it's truly international. And it, and it now allows us, allows me to be connected to science in a different way. Um, and for me, at least that's a, that's a really, really good thing. That's really cool. Yeah, I think so too. Like, and I think, you know, iLeaps, we've obviously got a very, uh, sort of smaller focus than AGU as yeah, well, yeah, right? AGU totally. is still great. And we're not, we're not totally like trashing the oh, AGU because it's really cool no. and it's amazing. But like, um, but yeah, like, so we have a, like a more, I think it's kind of cool when everyone's kind of around a similar focus, it's biosphere, atmosphere interactions. And so you know that we're all kind of starting from the same page as well, which is kind of nice. But like you say, but the field is still really widely diverse. So you still can learn so much. Absolutely. Um, and from and yeah. And, and yeah, I don't mean to say anything bad about AGU. I love AGU. And, um, <laughs> but, but I guess the idea is that, um, I guess to me that one thing that iLeaps has helped to illustrate so clearly is that there's so much science happening everywhere and, and, um, and that it's, it's locally relevant, it's regionally relevant, and it might not always speak to say um, a global scale impact and that's fine. Um, But it's, it's just, uh, I guess, long story short, iLeaps has just made me see how much bigger the science around this kind of integrated land ecosystem atmosphere domain is just so much bigger than than what I had appreciated before. That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. That. That's really, yeah, it's cool. Nice one. Um, so I think uh, that was all my top questions. <laughs> so you'll be, you're off the hook now. Okay. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for doing this. So, this um, has been thank- great. Yeah, thank you for coming to talk to the iLeaps podcast and um, thanks for, yeah, all your really cool advice and uh, comments and things. So thanks. Bye. So that concludes today's podcast. Thanks for listening. And just to say, if you want to learn more about iLeaps, please go to our website, iLeaps.org, where you'll find a link to our early careers website, or you can follow us on Twitter at iLeaps underscore ECSN or our Facebook page. Thanks.